Hi, I'm Stephanie Shea, and I am a close personal friend with the Court of Nerds. Hello, friends and enemies. It is the JV team at you again. It's me, Grant, with uh, my esteemed colleague, Kevin Carley. What's up, mortals? But now that you're still listening, we want to plug something really quick. This week, Tardies, Facebook, and Twitter are going to be running a ticket giveaway for Kevin Smith, uh, recovering from that huge heart attack. And he's coming to Grand Rapids, and he's going to do uh, like his one-man show. And those are always amazing. They're doing a ticket giveaway on Tardies, Facebook, and Twitter. I would also suggest just being pals with Kevin and Dee, because they're amazing. But yeah, uh, definitely give them a check out. And if you're going to be around Tardy's around this Friday afternoon, you'll probably see me looking through $1 books. Grant likes it cheap. Oh my gosh, they have the best back stock. It's <laughs> second to uh, a store called Time Travelers in Berkeley. Tardy's is like my favorite back issue store. I want to have games first. Cause, oh, oh. Uh, we just finished we're, up... We're doing four pillars of nerdery or something? Is that what yeah. this is about? Apparently, just doing like seven hours of us talking about comic books <laughs> doesn't <laughs> cover all those pillars like one would hope. Hit me up with some gaming news, sir. All right. Well, uh, starting off on the tabletop side of things, first bit of news is Adepticon 2018 starts this Thursday, March 22nd. If you are near the Chicago area and like miniature wargamings, head over to Schaumburg and gawk at all the beautiful figures. Say hi to some wonderful sponsors and check out all the orc players who are not being WYSIWYG. If you don't know what WYSIWYG means, I'm sorry, I'm not going to help you. It's the best gaming convention that isn't called Gen Con. So you can head over there, check out Wizards of the Coast booths if you have any questions about what constitutes a neutral good alignment. In video games, Sea of Thieves came out today on the old X-Bone and Windows 10. Uh, With a group of friends or strangers, Rare's latest adventure is an unpredictable experience that invites a sense of awe like nothing I've ever seen. Now I got into the open beta a bit, so I kind of know what I'm getting at when I turn this podcast off and I go upstairs and play it. You can team up with a trio of pirates, form a form a duo of pirates, or try to take the ocean on by yourself. They're all viable options, each providing a notably different spin on things. I had an absolute blast having to plan quests while getting the grips of the ship that I knew nothing about. As my crewmates accidentally drifted into a jagged rock, we'd find and lower decks overflowing with water with only a bucket to remedy the situation. See if these is also beautiful, displaying the finest water effects I've ever seen on a console. No surprise for something based primarily on the sea, but watching the blue stuff reflect light and react dynamically to each action is a sight to behold. I'm still not sold on the whole character designs, which to me look ugly and kind of unappealing, but you can customize them, and they will not lack any of the uh, charm that Rare you know, has put into their games in the past. So overall, Sea of Thieves is unlike anything I've ever played before, and I was kind of hoping just for like a Sid Meier Pirates knockoff. This is actually better. It offers a multiplayer experience that's both unpredictable and hilarious with moments that had me cheering in triumph for one minute and then hysterically laughing the next. I know Biff is playing it right now on Twitch tonight. I will too. That is until Far Cry 5 comes out next week. Now, how would you 
get someone like me who is averse to <laughs> like CPU gaming to play yeah. on a PC. Well, uh, so for instance, like Sea of Thieves is also on on account is also on Xbox. But if you're getting if you're going to get it on a PC, then it it depends on what kind of uh type types of games that you're into. Uh, this is I don't know how to describe it. Did you play like Assassin's Creed three and four? Like four was Black Flag that you were a pirate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is this is kind of that, just more piratey. <laughs> like, <laughs> And you'll you'll take on task uh, on the ship. So like if you're in a four person crew, each of you will be doing a task, and then you'll like rotate task and stuff okay. like that. And it's all about how you like kind of work together. Now you could get yourself a, a little sloop and try to take on the seas by yourself, and it definitely could be hard. Uh, but you don't have to split the booty, you know, amongst three other people. Honestly, it's it's a lot of fun for what I played. Uh, I'm looking forward to playing with Biff sometime and see his craziness in action on the other end of the screen. Now, is this something where it's you against other players as pirates? Yes. Oh boy. But there's also MP. There's also NPCs uh, as well, and missions and storylines and stuff to follow through with. It's big. It's immersive. It's super large, and it's cross-platform between PC and and Xbox. No shit. Yeah. So PC players can play Xbox players, and Xbox players can play PC players. And, and us PS4 people are just like, hey, do you want to yeah, play yeah, Rocket you're, League? You're, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're out in the cold uh, for Sea of Thieves. But it's okay. you got God of War coming out soon. Yeah, so it, in your face. Hopping off of that, I can't control myself anymore, so I want to go to comics. When I talk comic things with Kevin, I'm just looking for specific reactions towards certain books. I'm leading with this piece of news because I want to see your reaction. Uh, we got a press release today from Marvel where oh, yeah. there is going to be a new Deadpool miniseries. Oh, Deadpool. That Oh, okay. Would you like to know who's the creative team? Um, Absolutely. I, I'm so thrilled. We have Cullen Bunn who writes everything. How does this guy have time? Like, I'm more entranced with his Aftershock books and other creative-owned stuff than his Marvel work, but I'm willing to concede him being a little interesting on this book because he did all those Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe, etc., etc. The artist is someone that Kevin is very familiar with. It is one Mark Bagley. Oh, really? Yes. Yes. Mm. Okay, so... If you can't say something non, I, I don't, I'm at a loss for words right now. I don't, I don't know how to react. He always makes his deadlines. I sure, he sure does. <laughs> he sure does. For those of you not that know, Mark Bagley has cut his teeth on many Spider-Man books. He was, uh, my first introduction to him was on Amazing Spider-Man, where he drew one of the most anorexic Mary Jane Watsons I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And then he and Brian Michael Bendis began their seminal arc on uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. Sure did. Which I feel like that's a good style for that kind of book because everyone's gawky and teenage and stuff. And and super, I, I, I don't know, I don't necessarily, angly. Yeah. 
And uh, to his detriment, it's this is a both sides of the coin kind of thing. Like I joke that he always meets his deadline, which is amazing for an artist on a monthly book. When they can hit their deadlines and you never have to worry about that, that's incredible. Uh, it's to his detriment sometimes where his artwork seems very rushed. I know right. most recently in the uh, Ultimate End book that he was doing, you could see very much that he was just trying to churn stuff out. I I honestly like, and he worked on Ultimate Fantastic Four for a while before Land took over, or maybe he took it over from Land. But like, I I seem to remember liking the Ultimate FF books mm-hmm. while they while they were still a thing. Like, I really like the art direction in them. And that was uh, Mark Millar doing those, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh well, we're getting pieces of it back all the time. <laughs> so just uh, bleeding right into the six one six. Excuse me, yep. Marvel Prime Earth. Yep. Uh, another book we got a press release for that I'm pretty pumped about is Batman 66 meets Archie, which yeah. it just, that seems like a perfect match in tones. And a lot of people don't give Archie books the credit they, they deserve for their superheroic stuff. Their Ninja Turtle line for years was amazing. They had a really good Sonic line. And the, the tone of not taking itself too seriously while still being action-packed seems like it'd be a really good match for this Batman 66. And there are a couple variant covers out right now from Franco Francovelli and Mike Allred. As a non-really big Archie comic guy, I mean, that's that's Drew for all of us that, that pay attention to the court nerds continuity. He loves his Archie comics. Mm-hmm. But I love myself some Batman 66. I love the, the Green Hornet crossover you know, I I love uh, the animated films that uh, you know uh, they put out before the uh, passing Adam West. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you've seen those, uh, but I I love kind of the tone and the campiness uh, of it all. And yeah, you're right. Archie is a really good fit. Another one. Well, I just kind of uh, it's it's about a week old piece of news, but it goes together with this overall narrative on Valiant, the sale of Valiant. Mm-hmm. Um, they've lost four very key members of the hierarchy, hierarchy. most recently their uh, VP of um, Human Resources, Hunter Gorenson, who did a pretty damn good job of uh, spreading the word of Valiant and making Valiant a more uh, well-known presence. They also lost uh, Dinesh Shamdasani, which is just, I still can't wrap my head around that. Yeah. But they recently hired uh, Eisner nominee Carl Bowlers as editor to assist Warren Simonson. Uh, Bowlers worked at Marvel for a bit. He wrote uh, Emma Frost, What If, and he had a run on Soldier X, whose art by Igor Cordy just absolutely lost me. I couldn't, I, I just couldn't do that book. Um, for those of you who don't know, that's what they called Cable for a while. Oh, yeah. That, that, was, a, that was a weird time at Marvel. Uh, it's a weird time at Marvel right now. And he also had an 80-issue run on Archie's Sonic the Hedgehog book. Have you ever picked up a Sonic book? I have not. I, I actually, when Finn was really young and I was taking him to the comic book store, uh, he actually picked one out, you know, one of the, the Sonic Kids books and stuff like that. And I remember flipping through it and stuff like that. This is terrible. And, you know, he just absolutely loved it. But I, I'm just, I want to hear your thoughts on this whole, like, the issue of Valiant changing of the guard well you'd had to think in in today's environment something had to be done if you're valiant 
I think you want to make yourself as skinny and lean as possible so that you could be acquired. That's my thoughts on the matter. So when you are looking at, when you're trying to encourage venture capitalists, for instance, and Mm -hmm. stuff like that, and you enter like you know a restructuring and bankruptcy or something you're 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 going to try to make yourself as appealing for people so you have the least amount of overhead so that you can turn around the company and start making a profit and uh you know put it back into like the public domain it sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't like with Toys R Us mm. you know but Toys R Us was a huge entity to begin with you know Valiant is not huge the thing that worries me about this whole Valiant transition is how, and I don't want to paint with a broad brush, but it does seem like they're focusing more on their entertainment endeavors instead of the publishing line, which, you know, in an age of Marvel and DC movies, it's hard not to think that way. But Valiant was so strong in its publishing, I'm, I'm a little bit worried yeah. about this. Um, I know there was recent news, I think it was Vin Diesel got hired for the, the Blood Bloodshot movie. Yep, yep. And that goes hand in hand with uh, Dave Bautista as the Eternal Warrior. So, I guess the sale gave them flush with cash, so they could actually afford these top name stars. And, but and let's be honest, the margins on print publications are razor thin, mm-hmm. and even the digital domain is not what any of the publishers want it to be, because the you know us as consumers we're very fickle. <laughs> I'm gonna before you get off comics, I am going to force you. To talk about Doom, I mean the infamous Iron Man and his upcoming trial uh, as Ben Grimm takes him to the Council of Reeds. If this was something that Jonathan Hickman was writing, I would be all in. However, (laughs) it is not, and I'm slightly nervous. Yeah. I am glad that this is hopefully something that they're going to force old Victor Vaughn into confronting... His true self, which I feel like he's been squirreling away this whole time. Yeah, I mean, let, no, let's be honest. Nobody likes a contrite, false, humble Victor Von Doom. No, that's, you know? that goes that defies the characterization that's been established since the '60s. It is. It is opposite of who Doom is. Mm-hmm. Having not just having one Reed Richards, because Reed Richards isn't around, other than the 1610 Reed Richards, which is actually running around in the 616. The maker? Uh, yep. Which is a really cool villain idea, by the way. Uh, he, yeah, he's he's one of my favorite villains from that universe. Mm-hmm. But having a bunch of other Reed Richards there to that are evil, that will uh, definitely push Victor over the edge, I'm hoping. And, you know, then Tony Stark can come back as Iron Man. As as it should be, as it will be. Uh, one last thing I wanted to, to pitch on comics. I'm sorry, this is like seven points in total. But there is a new book coming out from Image, from Skybound within Image, that has too many cool names associated with it not to be worth checking out. It's a book called Stellar, and this is create, it's a character created by Robert Kirkman and Mark Silvestri who is just, you know, an artist god amongst fans who grew up in the late 80s, early 90s. And this um, Kirkman guy, have, have, have yeah, we heard of him? He, he, uh, he worked on Ultimate X-Men for a while. <laughs> uh, he, did yeah. bat, he did Battle Pope. Yep, uh, that's what people know him for. But uh, the creative team on this book is, the artist is Brett Blevins, 
and the writer is Joe Keating. Who, really? I know. I'm I'm really excited. Every book I read from Keating is something I don't expect to love, but then I love it with all my heart. Uh, <laughs> he had a book called Shudder uh, that was incredible. It, yeah. it really bend your noodle. Uh, he also had a book about wrestling called Ringside. Really? It's something I, I can't believe I haven't recommended to Ben yet, but it's an incredible look at like the the seediness of professional wrestling and staying in the fringes and stuff like that. It's really, really, really good book. And his absolutely icon-worthy run on Glory that he did from a Rob Liefeld creation, which is one of the best usage of modern IP I've ever seen in my life. Hmm. So him taking this on is something that I'm just going to plop $4 right down on the counter and say, gimme, gimme, like without reading anything prior. Uh, So I got some tech news, being that it's part of the four pillars of nerdery. The annual Game Developers Conference is happening this week. And Google is celebrating by bringing its instant apps feature to games on the Play Store. You'll be able to instantly try a very small number of Android games before installing them via a Try It Now button listed on the Play Store. This is the same instant apps technology that's been around for apps, but now Google is launching it for games too, such as Google Play Instant. The idea behind this program is that installing an app is a big barrier to entry uh, of users. I mean, clicking buy and then install is just so difficult. So it's removing this barrier, and uh, they think it'll result in more people trying more apps and games. For now, it's a closed beta only available to certain developers, and the special page for features shows a whopping six games. Wow! Yeah, there are some heavy hitters here, like Clash Royale, Words with Friends, (gasps) and Final Fantasy XV, A New Empire. A small app size works better here for some games than others. You can play a brief two-game tutorial in Clash Royale, which is enough to know what the gameplay is like. For something like Solitaire, you can play the whole game in an instant mode. Bigger games like Final Fantasy only let you fight a single monster in a blank hallway. (laughs) This sounds like a great idea, doesn't it? Anyway, instant apps require changes to the Java-based Android SDK. But now, with this game's version, Google is juggling changes to the NDK and game engines like Unity. While Instant Apps is open to any developer, the game version is still a closed beta. Google says it'll open the feature more broadly later this year. Google has a sign-up page for interested developers. So, Grant, the app that you're developing to determine a D&D player's alignment could be just a click away. Sweet, and no one will have to do the extra install buy thing. Absolutely. Uh, Staying with uh, the GDC, a little under three years ago, Epic Games CEO Tim Sweeney predicted that augmented reality glasses, which layer virtual 3D glasses on top of your view in the real world, would completely replace all traditional screens in a 10-year time frame. At the Game Developers Conference this week, the head of the company behind the Unreal Engine and Fortnite said he still expects this to happen, predicting a billion users for AR glasses by 2025. That's seven years away. A billion users for AR glasses. Hmm. Quote, I expect this eventually to replace smartphones. 
walking around in real life, instead of watching people fiddling around with their cell phone in their pocket, you'll be watching them make gestures to interact with augmented reality user interfaces. End quote. Uh, it won't be an instant transition, of course. Sweeney suggests that we could get 10 million early adopters to AR glasses, quote, in the next two or three years. From there, quote, you take, say, 10 million users and really astonish them and give them a product that's really amazing in order to get 100 million users. Then you have to satisfy the 100 million users to get a billion users and so on. It's going to deploy over time, end quote. Man, this guy sounds like he's got it down, but what a plan of action. Anyway, Sweeney is also extremely bullish on Magic Leap, the still-secretive AR glasses company that announced a development partnership with the Unreal Engine at this year's GDC. The company's Magic Leap 1 glasses, which are targeting a, quote, developer edition, quote, release this year, are really a magical piece of technology that is missing link towards making the experience that experience possible, Sweeney said. Quote, Magic Leap is the first product where the rubber really meets the road. They all have key components there. They make it all work. The challenge for subsequent generations of hardware will be miniaturizing to a point where it's really and truly nothing bigger than your Oakley sunglasses <laughs> and the pixels are truly indistinguishable from reality. End quote. Sweeney predicts that there will be a few years of overlap between AR glasses and today's virtual reality displays, but that, quote, ultimately AR is the superset of VR, end quote. While AR glasses can provide VR-style word by blocking out our view of the real world, VR will never be able to project the real world into your view, he said. Virtual reality will peak at a smaller audience, about 200 million people worldwide, <laughs> Sweeney suggested, composed mainly of hardware gamers, and, quote, on-site entertainment solutions, end quote, like theme parks. Now, uh, you gotta love a guy's gusto. I, for one, am actually a little bit scared of Magic Leap and Intel's newest eyewear. Do you know what this technology entails? No. How does the idea of having a frame-mounted laser project directly onto your retina? I would not be interested in that one iota. Well, these are glasses that are actually not just in development. They're, Intel's glasses are going to developers right now. And they, yes, their frames are like that of Oakley. They don't look like the Google Glass or the, the big chunky on the side or anything. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. It's just... it. Now, if you're looking in your normal field of view and stuff, you don't see anything. But if you glance up you'll get the the user interface and stuff up above. And so you'll be able to see what text or email or whatever is going to project onto your retina. Uh, I thought I was ready to be a cyborg. I don't know. Maybe I'm not. I'll have to check with my DM for the proper alignment. Well, okay. So when, when this, when this uh, gentleman was like, uh, I predict like a, a 10 billion users in, in seven years... <laughs> That reminds me of, have you seen the show Shark Tank? Uh, yes, yes. Like, when some some pud comes in with, like, his sock with just an extra toe on it, he's like, my valuation for my company is at least $250 million. And all the sharks <laughs> are like, that's, 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 that's dumb. That's what I feel right now. This guy just gave us a valuation that doesn't make any sense. He, but he is the CEO of Epic Games, one of the biggest companies in gaming. <laughs> 
are these are these glasses going to come with a free McDouble? Yeah, and still, like, yeah, it's gonna they're gonna replace smartphones in seven years' time. Mm. No, they're not. (laughs) I don't know if it's right into your eyeball. Sure, absolutely, and you know if everything can get miniaturized enough. But can you just imagine instead of us like walking around? With our heads down. We're just going to be going down the street, waving at imaginary things. Well, you know, if there's one thing people in this country aren't afraid of, it's looking foolish. So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we got that market cornered, don't we? I think we need to move on to TV. Yeah, you might. For TV this week, I only found two bits of news that made me say, Hey, TV, huh? Because more often than not, I'm just all about Netflix programming. But this one, these newses stirred something within my brittle buffalo soul. Uh, the first thing was I finally caught the uh, first extended trailer for Cloak and Dagger on Freeform. Kevin, you, you enjoyed it? The effects were, like, I don't, again, how do you do daggers, like little light blades and mm-hmm. stuff like that? It's kind of hard. Cloaks wasn't too bad, but you didn't really see the cloak, you know? That's my issue. He didn't have the cloak except for, like, two split frames. Yeah. Otherwise, he's just teleporting like Nightcrawler. Right. That irritates me because, I don't know, for, for in my time reading comics, I've seen him, like, the whole Dark Force dimension within the cloak is kind of what sets him apart. And it's such a stylistically amazing design character design and i don't know how that's going to come across on screen i hope they don't tone back the cloak uh and i have to say this is the first uh like superhero related form of media that made me say holy hell i'm so old this doesn't look good to me because (laughs) there is so much teen melodrama i just i'm not saying it's wrong or you should feel anyone should feel foolish for wanting to see this but for me, it just made me feel like I'm older than the the targeted demographic. Finally. Oh, you're 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 definitely older than the target demographic. Well, yeah. Uh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so cloak and dagger. If it's your thing, that's awesome. But it just, as a comic fan and as someone that is sick of whiny teenagers, I I just don't think I'm going to be catching this one. Which, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure ABC is going to be okay. Uh, the other piece of uh, news is something that just gives me great joy. Matt Ryan, who has been cast as Constantine since his days on NBC, he's going to be a series regular for the the WB show uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Ah. Which is, I think that's really good news. I know us at the Court of Nerds have felt a, a connection to the show since they contacted us about interviewing Sierra Renee, who is just wonderful and it was really cool to have that kind of interpersonal connection while watching the show. Um, yeah. I've kind of fallen away from the WB shows just because it's it's so much to keep up on. And some of them end up disappointing you in the end. Cough, cough, green arrow. Cough, cough, another speed villain slash timeline disruption for Flash. But having Constantine on as a regular makes me want to watch the show again. And yeah, they did all the crossovers and stuff like that too. It got a bit heavy to try to keep everything straight. It, it felt like work. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, it did. And I don't I don't like that book report feeling. Where it's like, <laughs> you have to, re- look, you have to read The Call of the Wild by Jack London, make a diorama within like three weeks, and you're in fourth grade, so go. 
Like, I don't, I don't like that. I want to read for enjoyment. I want to watch TV not because I feel obligated to. And Grant, we're in our 30s. We're not allowed to do anything for enjoyment. <laughs> so I, I think I'm going to give Legends of Tomorrow another shot simply because of Matt Ryan. I know you caught his uh, performance as Constantine in Justice League Dark, the, the animated version, correct? Absolutely. It was very good. Very, very, very good. I enjoyed some of the music choices in that film, that which isn't anything to do with the voice actors <laughs> or anything like that. Some of the music choices in the film I had problems with, but I, I enjoyed it. I'm surprised you haven't brought up Krypton yet. I Honestly, I am not going to even bother. Like, <laughs> I... I as just that petulant fanboy that I am, I couldn't even make room in my heart for Gotham, which is, like, found its stride. It's a good show, but it's not like a Batman prequel show that I was hoping for. With Krypton, I don't know how I can get down with the Superman prequel show. It just <laughs> doesn't sound appealing to me. I could give, a, I could give two shits about Jor-El. I'm sorry. To, to me, I mean, I'm going to give it a shot. To me, it's different enough that I think I might like it. I mean, but it's sci-fi, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, it, it'll have, and it's on the on, on sci-fi, so maybe maybe it'll be a different tone than, say, your WB, CW, you know, uh, teen rom-com, heavy drama, or, you know, Gotham. Everybody is super emo all the time. Oh, all the time, every day. All the uh, time. Jim Gordon doesn't have a mustache. <laughs> That's, uh, we're focusing on the important things. <laughs> we're adults! Uh, I know that's that's all I really wanted to discuss this week. We got, we got one half pillar left, and that's movies. Oh, that's right. And so we can't, we can't leave without John Does Movies. Mm-hmm. John does movies. <laughs> yeah. I uh, hope the... that they cut that out and use that as the new uh, intro to a segment. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I only saw one trailer that I really got excited and it showed literally nothing was Dragon Ball Super the movie, which is everybody was so super concerned it's like, oh, production of Dragon Ball Super is coming to an end. And they haven't announced, you know, it's like production is ending. But, yeah, and everyone's, oh, the series is going away. Well, no, it's it's not going away. We're getting a new series. And that transition <laughs> point is the Dragon Ball Super movie. You think, I mean, Akira Toriyama isn't going to walk away from, you know, giant piles of money being thrown at him. I was just thinking, like... Do you think they walk away from the money-cranking machine? They're like, right. oh, I'm so sick of just making this free money. Anyway, uh, the, the trailer, it's like 25 seconds, maybe. And it just shows, you know, Goku working out uh, on, like, a glacier, you know, hopping around. And then you, you see him looking up, and there's, like, what appears to be people are going to freak out a little when I say this. Kind Infinity of a, Gauntlet. A, a, a furry kind of hand with something that looks like it might be a tail wrapped around its waist. And so it definitely kind of looks it could be a Saiyan. Yeah. And it might be Super Saiyan 4 from GT, which is not canon anymore. 
But from the brief glimpse that I saw, it kind of was like, uh-oh, are they bringing Super Saiyan 4 into the super universe? Eh, I wouldn't like that. What would you do in uh, response? Would you, would you pen a letter? I would give him more money, of course. <laughs> I have to see this at least three more times to make an appropriate judgment. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the, the tagline in this is, Earth has Goku. That's it. That's it's just like Earth has Goku. <laughs> See, I I was way into Dragon Ball Z, but it just kept reaching higher and higher levels where it just like I, there's there begins a separation of what you'd come to love and what you are come to accept. Wait, you're not a fan of Super Saiyan God Super Saiyan Ultra Instinct? That doesn't that sounds like a like you have Tourette's and you just can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't. What's the end game for Goku? Uh, does he create his own universe? <laughs> well, is... we, there, there. I don't know how much of Super you watched, but uh, yeah, just, there you go. There, there are fourteen universes, and there's battles between. Anyway, listeners, just watch the trailer. You know, that that's all I have to say. And that's all we're gonna say on all of our our topics. Thank you for listening this week. I'm going to keep plugging the Road to WrestleMania that we're putting out in conjunction with the Geekiverse. It's getting closer and closer. And right now, uh, Austin and Ben are in the Attitude Era, which is arguably my favorite era of WWE because everyone was just... It's DX in its heyday. It's Steve, Stone Cold Steve Austin as, like, the American badass. And it's, like, uh, HBK and Undertaker, I would say, still in their primes, maybe working their way out of. It was a fun era, and they're doing due diligence reporting on this. So do check out The Road to WrestleMania on Geekiverse or Court of Nerds. Those were a lot of words that I have no idea what they mean. <laughs> uh, but you do have words pertaining to cars. So yeah, there's there's this little uh, rinky-dink motoring podcast produced by The Court of Nerds. Uh, we now have two fans, uh, one of which is our own Drew, So, but we, we gained another one. And so our second episode came out earlier this week where we, dis- we discuss which cars we would like to buy, which cars we would like to borrow, and which cars we would like to break. If you are a Volkswagen proponent, uh, I wouldn't recommend listening to anything I have to say. Uh, once again, this is Court of Nerds brought to you by the JV team and also... By Tom and Chi Granville, purveyors of the grilled cheese donut. And I'm sorry, <laughs> the, the, the varsity team will be back next week and we'll continue to be on uh, the reverse center. Uh, I'm sorry, Ken. <laughs>